is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today I welcome back a dear friend and a colleague, Roberta Matchison, to the show. Roberta, I'm so delighted that you're back with me today. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Well, we're going to talk about your brand new book, and you know I am one of your biggest fans and champions. I gift your book to so many friends and clients over the years, but your new book is called Evergreen Talent, How to Seed, Cultivate, and Grow a Sustainable Workforce. Well, let's jump right in because your book spans so many juicy topics, everything from managing up and managing down to being a magnetic leader. So what prompted you to write Evergreen Talent? Well, I looked at the current economic situation, and as you know, we've had you know high levels of growth, um, as well as record low levels of unemployment. And then I looked at the demographics, and and I just said, boy, you know, we've got a tsunami happening here, and um, it's really a wake up call. And when I looked at all that, I just realized that for organizations to be able to attract talent that will stick around, they really have to start developing their own talent. And so that's how the book Evergreen Talent took root. And um, I'm really excited that it's finally, you know, out there for people to purchase and and read and start to build um, evergreen workforces. I appreciate that because I think the bottom line is employers need to be proactive, right? Instead of reactive. And to that end, let's unpack this a little bit because we're hearing that employers are really frustrated. They're complaining that they can't fill jobs. And on the other side, the talent, the job seekers are complaining that they can't find work. So what's the disconnectivity between the supply and the demand here? That's a great question. Uh, the people who say they can't find talent are the people who are following the old rules. You know, if you look at the way we used to fill jobs, lots of companies are still in that mindset. And, you know, people are filling jobs. They're filling them every day. It just, you may not be the ones filling the jobs. And so I love it when people say to me, oh, we can't fill jobs. And then I look across the street and I and I say, well, they're fully staffed. I mean, how is it how is it that they are and you are not? And so when we take a much deeper dive inside, um, we see that there's a lot of things that companies are not doing that they could be doing and should be doing in order to not only fill jobs but keep people. Because Carolyn, what is the point of hiring great people if you cannot keep them? Yeah, I'm with you. That retention piece is huge. And it's multi-generational. You know, there used to be this myth that it was just young professionals. But the truth is, people uh, have a lot of opportunity these days to be choosy, and, and they often move around, and their tenure in an organization is shorter. So again, let's let's go deeper, because you are the expert. In this new book, you write about the need for companies to nurture and develop their own talent. And, you know, many years ago, we heard this concept of grow from within, but it's even more critical today. Tell me more. Well, not only do you have to grow your people from within today, but you have to grow them faster. 
Um, it's really interesting. Uh, last night I ordered an arrow garden uh, for, um, for my son as a gift. And um, if you're familiar with those, arrow gardens are these um, devices that you can grow your own um, herbs and your own plants in your home. And they grow like, you know, 20 times, or maybe that number is exaggerated, but they grow a heck of a lot faster than if you were to plant them outside. And that's really creative and innovative. And, and then I look at organizations, and when they talk about growing their people, you know, they'll show me their succession plan when we're working together. A client will say, well, you know, in two years, I'm going to move these, this person here and there and there. And, and I'm thinking two years, if you don't move that person in six months, they're not going to be here, you know? So we've gotten to this place where not only do employees want to be developed, but they have this um, need and desire to be, you know, moving up in organizations much more rapidly than in the past. And if you don't give them that opportunity, there's, there are a dozen companies out there that will. So, Roberta, I'd love to learn from your vantage point as a former HR director in the corporate realm. I bet you've seen and heard a little bit of everything. And in the book, you talk about some pretty uncomfortable work situations that you found yourself in. What can we learn from this? And maybe you can give us one specific example. Well, the specific example that unfortunately is still, you know, embedded in my memory is when I had a leader that I worked for who was really impossible to work with. And, you know, without, you know, me having post-traumatic stress syndrome, I'll leave out the details. But, you know, every day I, I think I still think of her. And when I think of her now, I try to do so in a way that says, well, this is what she would have done as a leader. So this is the opposite. This is what you should do. And it's really interesting because yesterday um, I talked with a uh, new client who is a very senior level executive in a very well-known company. And he just got a new boss. And you know, he has tried to stick it out and he said, it's just not going to work here. I cannot envision myself staying here for the next 10 years working under this guy who's a tyrant. And, and that just reminded me, you know, you could be a COO, a CEO, or you could be a first level, you know, manager or um, an employee who's working on the line. The one thing that matters most is who you work for and how that person treats you. And that, you know, as you know, in the book, The Magnetic Leader, you know, I talk about what leaders need to do in order to attract talent. And I also talk about the Teflon leader, and that's the leader who just keeps repelling talent, which is what my new client has. And so you don't want to be that person, you know, you don't want to be the Teflon leader, you want to be magnetic. So how do you coach your clients to suss this out in advance when they're considering a new opportunity to figure out, is this the right leader that I want to to work under? That's a great question. I encourage them to ask a lot of questions and not just, you know, and, and, deep, and take a deep dive into those questions and not dismiss um, what their gut says. 
And then, of course, as you know, I mean, you've got sites like Glassdoor. Um, everyone seems to be connected on LinkedIn. You probably find some people who know this person um, who you can call and say, hey, do you know Joe Smith and what do you think of him? And I would say do your due diligence, just like the companies are doing when they're going to make before they make you an offer. I would check your boss's references. I love that. And, you know, having just gone through uh, an organizational change, I have a new boss and I put my prospective boss at the time through his paces and asked for a separate interview where I could ask him questions. And he was delightful and very willing and said, gosh, more people should do this. And I'm in full agreement with you, Roberta, that the candidate has a responsibility to really do their research and uh, learn everything they can in advance before they, they agree to go on to a new organization. Yes, and I think that too often people go into interviews with the mindset, oh, you know, I, I want this job and I have to um, prove to this person that I'm worthy of this job. But in fact, your job when you go in there is to really explore whether or not that company and that boss is worthy of you. Beautifully put. We'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So, Roberta, I smile when I read the term employee engagement. It's everywhere. In fact, it's almost oversaturated. So what's your take on employee engagement? Well, I think if if all these employee engagement programs really worked, um, we wouldn't have so many disengaged employees. I mean, it's, you know, employee engagement, uh, it's an outcome. It's not a program. And what's happening is that companies will put in an employee engagement program, right? But that's not, you know, and, and so now we have an employee engagement program. But the outcome isn't what we we are looking for. And so it doesn't matter, though, because we have a program. I mean, you you and I both know companies are spending billions of dollars on on this situation. And again, I say, you know, spend that money on developing your leaders. I mean, that's where the engagement piece happens. So that's where the investment should really be made. It's a great reframe. It really is because it's about resources and intentionality. And I love that you're saying, look, develop your leaders and and people are going to stay more and that is going to lead to better engagement. Love it. So I I love this about your book. Uh, You mentioned your time out for a coffee campaign. Tell us more about that and and why there needs to be a connection between leaders and their, their colleagues. Well, I guess you can tell that I'm an espresso addict. Um, (laughs) I will admit that. So any excuse to have a coffee uh, really works for me. I think that when people have a cup of coffee in their hand or a cup of tea or a glass of water, whatever your preferred drink is, um, I think they just become more relaxed. 
and they're willing to open up and, and have a dialogue. And so when you as a leader, you know, take time out of your day and say, this is time for a coffee. Come on in. Let's let's uh, get that Nespresso machine going and, and let's just all sit down and chat. That's a lot more effective than, oh, it's time for your, you know, annual performance review where now we're going to talk about everything we should have been talking about for the last 12 months. I love that because it, it levels the playing field and it's a relationship. It's a conversation, right? It's not boss to subordinate, right? It, it just opens up a, a much richer opportunity to have a, a fresh dialogue. And I call that the conversation equation. Nice. Because it is two ways. And and too often, again, um, employees will go in like for their reviews and it's like, okay, this is going to be done to me. And it's not, it's not going to be done to you. This is a conversation. And if you don't take advantage of that time and, and, you know, ask those questions such as, you know, how can I improve my performance or what do I need to do in order to uh, receive a promotion? If you don't take advantage of those um, opportunities, then, you know, you shouldn't be surprised when you get passed over. Exactly right. So I, I love this part about the new book, Evergreen Talent. You talk about the need for pruning the workforce on an ongoing basis. So tell us more what that is. I, I got the, the biggest giggle out of that, but it's such a great visual, right? You've got to prune the talent tree sometimes. Well, you know, I watch the news every night. And, you know, when you hear about the latest you know, like major layoff, I feel for my husband because I always look at him and I'm like, that wasn't a layoff. That was getting rid of people who should have been gone a long time ago. You know, or you hear from a friend or your company says, oh, we're doing a layoff. And, you know, they lay off 10 people and you've got a company of, you know, a thousand. Again, they're just getting rid of the dead wood. But what if instead, and, and when they do that, it, it, it upsets everyone because you're like, oh my gosh, am I next? I should look for a job. So what winds up happening is, you know, nothing happens, right? Everybody's hiding under their desk. And, you know, you should be pruning your organization. You should be asking people to move on who are no longer, you know, doing the kind of work that they're capable of. Um, they no longer fit in the organization. Or you see that there really aren't any opportunities for them. And you want them to be able to do something even better. So I believe corporate you know, pruning I find should too, be... Yeah, excuse me for, for interrupting. I was just going to share too. I find companies are not as proactive as I think they need to be about succession planning, especially because we, we have a significant part of the baby boomer workforce, many of whom have retired and, and the rest of whom are ready to retire imminently. And so many companies are not planning for that. What's your take on that? I couldn't agree more. And, and I do go into organizations and help them with their succession planning. And it's just amazing to me to see that, you know, they're at a certain level and they have no plan. And it's like, you know, look, you're the first people to say, what if someone gets hit by a bus, right? So um, let's get, pl let's plan for that. And let's develop the people so that when these opportunities come up, they're ready to go. So, Roberta, should it be a red flag to a candidate considering a company that always has openings, right? That sort of perpetual revolving door? Well, yes and no. Some companies are not very good at managing their employer brand. And, you know, they think 
when they may not even have a job opening, but they keep those jobs um, online as openings, you know, just in case in the future there's an opportunity. And they don't see that as being harmful. They don't recognize that, gee, that's interesting. That company's had the same job opening for six months now. They don't know what it looks like, but they're thinking, oh, we'll just leave it here and, you know, we'll see if somebody pops up that's good. We'll, we'll make a job for them or something. So I think it's real important for those employers to, um, you know, make sure that their job openings are up to date. So we've got a global listening audience of over a million around the world. And I, I know many of them are eagerly listening, saying, okay, how do I get better, right? How do I improve growing our forest of evergreen talent in, in my organization? So what are some of the mistakes that you see that can be prevented for those listening? Well, I think the biggest mistake, well, I see a couple of mistakes. One is um, thinking you can do this on your own. And, and if you could do this on your own, you probably would have done so already. I, I see that happen. And it was interesting because last week I was um, attending a conference and there were a panel of business owners talking about, you know, what they were looking for uh, with consultants. And it was astonishing to see that everyone on that panel said that where most consulting assignments fail is in the implementation and it's in the implementation because the company thinks they can implement on their own and they don't engage the, you know, the consultant or whomever they've hired to help with this. And so they try to do it on their own. And, you know, that's a lot. It, you really need somebody to help, you know, help you through this process and hold you accountable. Roberta, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. It's always great to have you on the show, and I learned so much. I want to tell our global audience about your newest book called Evergreen Talent, a guide to hiring and cultivating a sustainable workforce. And of course, it's available on Amazon and at all major book retailers. But I also want to share two of your other books that are absolute favorites of mine, The Magnetic Leader, How Irresistible Leaders Attract Employees, Customers, and Profits, and the international bestseller, Suddenly in Charge, Managing Up, Managing Down, Succeeding All Around. Roberta, thank you for empowering professionals around the world. Thank you for having me today. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and even better, leave us a review because this helps new people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. A special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening.